Good evening, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to Nurse Coffee Talk. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. <laughs> <laughs> yep, still is. Yep, still is. Just like before. Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Still doing the same terrible introductions. <laughs> anyway, how are you, Sarah? I'm fine. I had a very sunny, lovely weekend with my sister. That's awesome. Good. I mean, we're able to socially distant, but still be out and about a little bit, which was nice. We didn't have to yeah. touch anybody or talk to anybody. We, we could go to the beach and sit alone, and it was not very crowded, and it was nice. I was going to say, are the beaches, like, empty right now? Up by me. They were not empty, but they are big enough that we did not have to even come close to another person, which was nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Very nice. I was going to say... um, these. This was like an, an oceanic beach, and I grew up going to lake beaches, just based on where I grew up. Man, it's so different. <laughs> the waves are stressful. Yes. It's not relaxing. Do you all know that there are better ways to do this? There's better ways to do what? To be relaxed at the beach and just play in the water and not have the waves come cracking down upon you. But, you know, there's, like, people that go out in the ocean to, like, do their daily swim every day. I know. They must be so strong. Not only that, like, first of all, there is just something. I mean, water is so powerful, right? Yes, very. And when you're talking about, like, the ocean, <laughs> where it's, like, infinitely going on and on and on, so yes. if you get sucked I out to sea, don't like... don't <laughs> like to think about the ocean that much. It makes me nervous. I'm not an ocean person at all. Like, no. give me give me mountains any day. <laughs> we saw, cool like, a me. big jellyfish, like, floating in, getting close or whatever, and we were like, ah! good are you good you're ready to go <laughs> you're ready to go well you know they don't like come out on the land and crawl towards you well exactly that's why we just got on- onto the beach we were like okay thank you thanks anyway you were in the water i see we were in- yes we were in the water yeah. yeah i mean that's the other thing like when you're in a lake you don't have jellyfish now you have other things like you have leeches that's and true. you have like f- like fish that bite you and stuff like that but you don't have sharks you don't have jellyfish you don't have i don't know i'm terrified of the ocean like just the sheer thought of a rip current is terrifying know, to scary. me i mean well well in it or not the sound is very relaxing and lovely mm-hmm, obviously sure. of course my sister went out to um to pee because she was there were no bathrooms anywhere and she was like i'm just gonna go into the ocean well that's what you do and she came back a very very long time later and i'm like what happened she's like i couldn't do it it was too stressful the waves <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Man, oh man. I haven't taken my kids to the ocean yet, and I don't know if I will ever. (laughs) I mean, you should. It's really quite, it's a miraculous experience, honestly. Like, it just looks, it's majestic and, like, otherworldly in in a way. You know, it's just incredible, but it's scary. Yeah. Well, so, for my husband's birthday, I surprised him with introduction to scuba lessons. Oh, that's on the list of things that 
I never feel the need to do at all. Oh, really? That's so mm-hmm. fascinating. No, it was thanks. on our it was on our bucket list. I I gave him a bucket list birthday this year. But you're tired. You're terrified of the ocean. You want to go scuba diving? <sighs> Here's the thing. I feel like I would have no problem being in the middle of the ocean where like I'm with a boat and I'm with other people and I can breathe underwater. Like that doesn't bother me. But being on the beach and being sucked out to sea by myself with like that terrifies me. I know well, it's that, bizarre. It's bizarre because you won't get sucked out to sea if you're just like <laughs> wading in the waves. Um, I'm not going to list the things that scare me about scuba because clearly you're going to go do it. So I'm just going to let you have that experience and then we can debrief after. Oh, there's many things that are very terrifying about scuba. <laughs> Me listing the things that make me scared about that are not going to be helpful. No, I want to hear them. Let me hear them. Well, of course, my first thought is I've seen that movie Open Water. Oh, I haven't seen that. I don't watch movies. You know this. I do know this. You don't have time to watch movies. (laughs) Where they are scuba diving on a boat with people and they get separate. They like are down there or whatever and they miscount the people on Mm. the boat and they take off without them. Oh, okay. So when I went snorkeling one time after freshly having seen that movie, which was, I don't recommend that doing that order of things. <laughs> I was terrified. Now you don't go very deep snorkeling, obviously, sure. but terrified of being left behind. So I, I was stayed very close. Like, like a ch- I was, I mean, I was a child, but I stayed very close. <laughs> just very nervous. You know, just being out and exposed when it's not your element. Like you just can't swim nearly as competently as anything that's in the water. So course, anything yeah. coming at you, you know, obviously I, I watched Shark Week and learned all about it and stuff. Like m- most of them are extremely just like bumping around. They couldn't care less. Like right. most things in there do not care about you at all. Right. So it's probably fine. But also, eh, scary. <laughs> This all started because a couple years back, my husband and I had planned a trip to Iceland and we ended up canceling it at the last minute because we had, do we have one young child or two young children? I don't remember. We had young child slash children at the time and that child slash children was (laughs) slash were extremely very, very, very broken apart when we went away for like a two night getaway. Ah, sure. And it was really stressful. And so we were like, there's no way we can leave our kids for 16 days. Oh my God. 16 days in Iceland? Yeah. Yeah. Because we were going to... You could become the governor of Iceland in that amount of time. <laughs> well, we were going to drive the the whole ring of Iceland. Yeah, I've heard people doing that. And yeah, we were stopping... Yeah, it's relaxing for you if you're worried the whole time right. that your kids are in a panic. Exactly. So yeah. that's... But that was where the whole scuba thing came up because there's this place in Iceland that you can scuba dive where you can actually Between touch... the tectonic two... plates, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah and you I've can touch two continents at the same time, which is like really, I think, really cool. That is cool. Get sucked into the lava, you know? Normal. Well, the lava's not where you scuba. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, well, yeah, we wanted to take a helicopter ride over the lava. There's so many things we wanted to do. It was going to be a really great trip, but yeah, we ended up Yeah, it's definitely a good, like, adventure trip. I mean, For sure. A lot, I know a lot of people. It kind of became popular all of a sudden, and so everyone I know went to Iceland. And, I know. Uh, I mean, it looks incredible. I've helped plan a trip there and then ultimately mm. didn't go, Yeah, um, which has happened to me several times, but yeah, I mean, Stop it's Stop planning other people's trips. I just want to help. I always wanted to go to Iceland because I always wanted to see Aurora Borealis. Yeah. This plan was like years in the making, right? And then we we literally had the airfare booked. We had all the hotels booked. We had everything like ready to go. 
And we just could we just couldn't do the trip that we wanted to do with the kids. So anyway, we nixed the trip, and it was literally like we nixed the trip, and then the following year was when like everybody started going to Iceland, and I'm like, yeah. you mfers, I know totally. Like you steal my trip, man. So we'll get <laughs> there one day. It's fine. Well, you can go back when it's not in vogue anymore, and then you can get the budgets. Yeah. Well, and we'll be proficient scubas at that point so yes exactly very good yeah so anyway so that's how we got started on the whole scuba thing so then i wanted to make it a bucket list birthday so um it's a great among, birthday gift yeah so among other things we did an introductory to scuba class and so my husband's like totally geeked about it and it's something fun that we can do together because we love each other but there's not much stuff that we both enjoy equally yeah sure <laughs> but travel is one of them and then you can't really travel especially now you can't travel so yeah well yeah. well you mean because of coronavirus or because of children i guess both <laughs> technically i was referring to coronavirus but yeah. also the children yes yeah well it's as they're getting older it's a little bit easier yeah and i think it will continue to get easier but you know there's also the element of like you want to take your kids on trips too like i i grew up traveling my my dad took us on trips all the time and so i mean i have always had like a passion for traveling around and learning about different areas and stuff and i want my kids to have that too but then it's like okay well do we take a trip by ourselves or do we take a trip with our kids because those are two very different trips you know so uh, yes and for sure they are. And I can promise you, I'm not taking my kids to Iceland right now. <laughs> no. They wouldn't appreciate it. No, not at all. <laughs> so anyway, enough about me and my travels. Oh, actually, that goes very well with our topic today, because our today's topic is travel nursing. Not internationally. <laughs> God, though, isn't that the dream, though? I mean, that's all I want to do. You had, like, you want to travel nurse? No, I want to travel nurse abroad. Oh, yeah. But also cool. not badly would, enough to do it. I mean, clearly I could have if I'd wanted to, but meh. I would go to Australia and travel nurse and live there for like two years and take my whole family with me and just go there. <laughs> Great. And then I would just work there. I'd work my, you know, six days a week in Australia. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, just be a different place. <laughs> On my one night a week off, I'd, like, be going out into You know, ultimately, your your life is your life no matter where you go. That's true. I, well, we have friends in Australia, actually. They they lived Do here. Our kids, Yeah, our kids went to school together. That's cool. And they were actually from France, and he got transferred here for work. And so, like, actually, my son and their oldest daughter were, like, I mean, best friends to the point where they had to separate them in classrooms at school. They weren't allowed to be in the same classroom because when they were together, there was nothing accomplished because they just had so much fun together. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah, I know. But then he, his company moved him to Australia. So they're out there right now. And we miss them terribly. What a life. I know. Yeah, but that's hard for kids, too. Oh, very though. hard. I had a friend who, in elementary school, they were from England. They moved to where I grew up. And then a few years later, moved to Seattle. And then a few years after that, moved back to, to the... Um, great britain to northern ireland gotcha and it's very i mean she moved three times between like third grade and graduating high school i mean that's mm. a lot that's a lot yeah, of a kid for sure yeah you never make those like lifelong friends although i was always in the same place and i still never made the lifelong well true friends. enough you know what <laughs> So it's overrated. You you choose your company wherever you are. That's true. All right. Well, anyway, you had an Insta that you wanted to. I did talk about. I did. For all of you out there, are you guys missing the question of the day? 
I feel weird not doing it because we did it for so long, but now I kind of feel like fine that we're not doing it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys miss the question of the day? Do you want it back? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I'll what do you What do you want to do? That would be helpful. Yeah, we'll post a poll. Tell us what you think. Okay. I liked doing it because I feel like it gave us another quick topic almost well with the question of the day between doing the question of the day and the topic yeah, yeah i mean we we're long i feel like we c- we're kind of cheating our topics a little bit yeah i agree with that there are things that we want to totally fleshed out that we haven't been able to yeah for sure starting next week we could just start at the beginning and do like bullying number two idiot <laughs> providers <laughs> number two do it all again i mean listen <laughs> there are plenty of things that we could go back and be like we learned new stuff since then <laughs> well yeah it's been almost a year of podcasting <gasps> can you believe that oh my it'll be a year at the end of september so oh, we gotta months. think about what to do with our 10 months year anniversary episode it's gotta be something oh, special oh yeah Hey, you know what, you guys? Why don't you guys write us in your favorite nursing story, whether it's heartwarming, whether it's hilarious, whether it's like a big F you to management, whatever your favorite nursing story is, write us in and maybe we'll do like a big compilation of all those stories for our one year. I love that. I also want to know why the different reasons that people get into nursing. I always think that's interesting. Oh, we could do an episode on that, too. I would love to hear, like, just from all around people's reasons. Okay, everybody, stop driving. Take out a pen and paper. <laughs> write down what you need to, to message us with. Your reason you got into nursing and your favorite nursing story ever. And we'll take all the best ones and we'll make a compilation. Perfect. No, oh, that'll be so fun. Love that. Love that we're planning ahead sometimes. I know sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. Um, Insta. This Insta is brought to you by N. Hi, N. She messaged in saying that she had just listened to the podcast on culture of reporting. She said, I'm a new grad who just had to report my preceptor. So Merp. all your points were spot on. Merp, that sucks then. <laughs> so I asked, of course, for the spicy details. She said, you know those nurses who have been in the game for 40 plus years and come to do their minimum amount of work and go? That's her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know a lot of those people. That's exactly right. They're all in Sarah's department. <laughs> they all, that's exactly right. <laughs> they sure are. I'm three weeks into my orientation and was paired with her since my preceptor was canceled. This is my first time with an ETOHR and bolusing nonstop and felt so unsupported by her. She wasn't checking my charting. And the next day I'm back with my usual preceptor and I'm seeing all the shit that I didn't do the day before and was pissed and sent my manager and educator a message. Mind you, I've been there previously as a tech and have seen her precept new grads and those nurses still struggle and no one has ever spoken up to say how she is, even though our whole floor knows how she works. I even confronted her about it, and her attitude was, don't worry, you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Mm. Like, that was what she was trying to say. It wasn't right. about me being hard on myself. It was about you, like, me trying to point out that, like, you didn't do anything as a preceptor. Right. And if there was all this stuff that I didn't do, where was the intervention? Isn't that the point of precepting? In three weeks as a new grad? I mean, you still need to have someone oh my keep God, an eye yeah. out. Oh, my God. Three months you still need. Yes. <laughs> three years. Three years later. <laughs> At three decades, we draw the line. If you don't yeah, know your ship, that's by when then. that's when you're independent. But then you become like this nurse that doesn't give right. a fuck. <laughs> right. Well, the one thing that I will say that I have noticed across the board is, and I'm not saying this is the case here, but there are some wonderful, wonderful nurses 
who are terrible preceptors. Totally. Totally. I agree and with that. just because you're experienced does not make you a good teacher. And in fact, I feel like a 40-year veteran, yes, there are definitely things we can learn from 40-year veterans. God bless all of them. Mm-hmm. They know some tricks of the trade. However, I feel like not many of them are, like, super up-to-date and, like, most recent evidence-based practice. Completely agree. And, like, for the record, teaching is a whole separate degree and lifestyle, right? Like, we, yeah. the, I would not be a good elementary school teacher at all, under no circumstances, for a variety <laughs> of reasons, okay? So, like, this idea that anyone with... 18 months plus experience because that seems to be the bar for floors of like have you been here a little bit more than a year cool you can precept someone tonight shift yeah and i and i hate that i hate that and the idea that like we are i mean i don't know about anybody else i can only speak for myself and everyone i've ever met that (laughs) we are not given any guidance or education about exactly how to precept someone and they put it under this like fake idea that oh it's to show the new person all sorts of new styles. So, like, we want them to get an experience of different styles. No, you just don't want to invest time in actually teaching your staff how to educate one another. So, yeah. like, then you come around and it's like, oh, her preceptor's called off. Well, we just got to, like, shove her to somebody. So, like, just take right. anybody, whatever. Right. And then it's, you know, not a match of styles. It's not a match of anything. This person doesn't know what she knows or what she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like we need, they're not investing in the, and then we talked about this a few episodes ago about nursing, continuing nursing education. They're not in, actually investing any time, money or energy into educating the nurses. Mm-hmm. And I think this is evidence of that. Well, we, I mean, we did a whole podcast on the ongoing education of nurses. Yeah. Like I would have loved to attend a little, maybe not a class exactly, but I mean, uh, anything, some kind of, some kind of something. Really? Really, Sarah? That, that specific class? The well, some I don't kind know. Of something I mean, class? a class seems aggressive <laughs> and like a lecture sounds pedantic, but like, <laughs> you know, the nurse educator on the unit or whatever, like in theory, that person has some kind of experience with educating nurses, right? We hope. Teach your staff who are about to be precepting how to do that, what to look for. What kind of questions to ask, how to push them, what signs we're looking for, green flags, red flags, what kind of charting are we checking? Like this idea that you just kind of inherently know how to do that is just not true. You know, you have people who either don't even look at your charting ever and then you end up making mistakes or people that won't let you do a goddamn thing and they're taking the mouse out of your hand while you're trying to chart something. Wait, that sounds personal, Sarah. Yeah, it's a very, very relevant (laughs) recent example. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're 100% right. There should be some education for preceptors. I I worked at a facility where there was a preceptor class, but I will say I never took the class and was still a preceptor. So Right. I mean, we went to a charge nurse class. I think it's a similar kind of stepping stone. You really see that same place we never had charge nurse classes. I mean, it was it, I found it to be actually surprisingly helpful hmm. because there's a lot of administrative ins and outs that you don't know as a floor nurse and then you get yeah, trained sure. to be a charge nurse and you're like, "Oh." Oh. There's you're a like, lot of "Oh, they weren't just being bitchy that day when they gave me that assignment yeah, they were exactly. actually doing some... it broadens your scope a little bit <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh man oh man well and we're with you and we understand and understand your frustration and we hope you're back with your regular preceptor and we hope she's treating you well welcome to the field of nursing let us know if there's <laughs> anything else we can do to help all right 
Perfect. All right. Moving right along. Okay. So recently, Sarah and I were featured by a travel company. They interviewed us to get our perspective on some aspects of nursing and like how we got into it and how we started our podcast and all that good stuff. The company is called Premier Med Staffing. It's not Premier Medical Staffing. I think that's a whole other company, so don't check them out. It's Premier Med Staffing. They're not sponsoring us or anything like that. We just want to give them a shout out because they went out of their way to do an interview with us, and they've been really kind to us, and uh, and they seem like really great people. So if you're interested in travel nursing, you know, please do check out their check out their website and see if they have anything uh, to offer you. But uh, also, you know, go on their Facebook page and check out our interview. It was fun to do. We had a good time doing it. We had a great time doing it. And they asked some really interesting, we really did. thought-provoking kind of questions, which we liked. They were focused a lot on nursing wellness, which we love. Yeah, I feel like not a lot of places emphasize that as much. And it, it felt like they did, which we like. So we talked about a little bit about that and some of our recommendations for nursing wellness and how to recover from this job a little bit and things like that. Yeah, it was fun. So check out their check out their Facebook page where you can find our interview and check out their website um, and see if they have anything for you. Uh, and it's, it is kind of like, I don't know if you said this cause I couldn't hear you, but it's kind of like, it's like a mini little episode. If you, if you love nurse coffee talk so much and you just need a little bit extra, you can hear us there. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So getting into travel nursing, Sarah has not travel nursed, um, not. but does have, but has some questions about it. And I have travel nursed. So we thought it might be fun, especially, Given that coronavirus is surging in different areas of the country, so now these, you know, premium staffing contracts are coming back out again. Uh, so we just wanted to touch base on my experience with travel nursing and, and see where we go from there. Do you want to do this kind of Q&A style? Yeah, sure, we can. And I can just ask you, not a lot of, I mean, not a lot of people know all the ins and outs. They think they do, or they, if they haven't done it though, I mean, how can they really know all the details? So can I just ask sure. a bunch of questions? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you get to pick wherever you want to go? Yes. So if I was like, put me in Malibu, that's where I want to go. Yes. But it's harder to get a contract in Malibu because everybody wants to go to Malibu. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> a, a good point. <laughs> So prior to coronavirus, the world's a little bit different since coronavirus because of licensure issues. Sure. Prior to coronavirus, you really needed to obtain a license in the state in which you wanted to work. And then once you obtained your license and secured a contract, a lot of travel companies would reimburse you for the cost of licensure once you secured a contract. Oh, okay, great. So that's something you can ask your travel companies if, that, if they do that. But like I said, the world is different since coronavirus because a lot of places are doing like the quick licensure where it's like you just kind of submit your name and they're like, hey, you're licensed. Come work for us. We need you. Mm -hmm. So I haven't gone out of state since coronavirus. So I don't know how things are working on that regard. So it's changed a little bit, but you can go anywhere you want. So you just get the licensure for the state you want to work in. Yeah, you can sign up for a travel company. Like if you go to something like Indeed or something like that, mm -hmm. once you put your phone number out there, you will oh, get do it. inundated. And I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm not joking you. In like the first 24 hours, I had over 100 phone calls 
probably 250 text messages and probably an equal amount of emails, people who wanted to hire me out. Because obviously that's how you're hired by a recruiter who makes his or her money off of you. I looked into it briefly one Mm -hmm. time years ago and I still get emails and phone calls about it. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get off the list. Your name goes on a list and that's it. So you better be sure that you want to do it. (laughs) So, but the other thing is you can go directly to one company in particular and Mm. they will inundate you, but at least it's just one company. Uh, My recommendation is that you check out several different companies though, because what I found is... They all had access to the same contracts, but different companies would pay me different amounts of money. They had different, like, reimbursement, different bonus structures and yeah, things like sure. that. Yeah. Like, some of them offer sign-on bonuses. Some of them offer completion bonuses. Some of them don't offer bonuses at all, but they'll give you a higher rate of pay. So mm-hmm. you just have to figure out, you know, what you want. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for what you want because the worst they can do is tell you no. So do they pay for a relocation? You're not relocating. You're a travel nurse. Okay. So they don't pay for quote unquote relocation, but some of them will pay a stipend for travel to and from the job. So let's say, let's say hypothetically you live in like Maine and you're going out to California Mm-hmm. They might pay directly for your airfare to California at the beginning of the contract and from California mm. at the end of the contract. Okay. That sure. kind of deal. But they wouldn't pay for like a rental car while you're there. This is another question. Do they offer stipends and stuff for housing? I've heard people doing that and then they get something super cheap Yeah, and then save the rest of it. Yeah. So that's exactly what they do for travel contracts is they pay you for a housing stipend. What happens is you make a really low rate of pay hourly, which is like, I don't know, 18 to $25 an hour. That is reportable taxable income. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get taxed on. And then the rest of your money is your stipend. So it's your housing stipend, your food stipend, any like per diem, whatever. And that is non-taxable income. So you're supposed to pay for your housing out of that. The cheaper housing you can find, the more of that you get to keep for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's how travel nurses make their money, especially like if you travel somewhere and like for all the young folks and if you bunk up with somebody else, like let's say you guys get, you rent a house and there's four of you and you're all travelers and you're sharing that cost of rent on that house. So maybe you're only paying $200 a month or what I, depends on your location, obviously, but, and your stipend is more like if you're in California, obviously cost of living is crazy high there. So you're getting more of a stipend there. So if you're only paying a fourth of the rent and then you get to keep the rest of your stipend for yourself. So there's a lot of ways to do it where you can really minimize your costs and that's how you make your money. And most people, if you work like your contract might be a 36 hour week contract, but if you work a fourth day, you know, that's like all overtime. So if you're out of your element and you have nothing to do, but go work, you know, you could work four or five days a week and take two days to two or three days to explore the area you're in. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just there by yourself and you don't know anybody, the first couple of weeks, you might work like five or six days a week. It's just a great way to like sure. bank money right up front. Yeah. You know? And it's like, sure. It's not going to be forever. It's like genuinely short term. No, most, most contracts, I've 
most contracts are anywhere from eight to 13 weeks is like a standard mm-hmm. with the options to like resign. So I've seen people do like they just keep resigning. The problem is when you get close to a year, like they won't let you keep working there because anything over 51 weeks is considered a permanent resident. Mm, okay. So you're no longer a traveler. So you lose all of that. So after 51 weeks, you have to go do an assignment somewhere else and then you can come back, mm-hmm. but you have to have that break. Otherwise you don't meet the traveler requirements anymore. Gotcha. And then is it say for like one contract, eight to 13 weeks, is it the same unit the whole time? It depends on your contract. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to put this out there for all of you you have to read your contract. You have to know your contract forward and backward. And it's not crazy litigious language. Like it's very plain language, but you have to know your contract. I'm an ER nurse. So my contracts always state that I can be floated elsewhere, but I've never had to be floated elsewhere because when ERs are in desperate need, they need you in the ER, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't float you anywhere else. But once coronavirus hit, they were floating people to like ICUs and things like that. And travelers were getting pissed because they're like, I'm an ER nurse. I don't belong in an ICU. But your contract says that you can float. I know where I worked, we were floating our agency to different hospitals. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I do remember you talking about that. Yeah. So you really have to watch the language in your contract because the world is different status post-coronavirus. Sure. We had to break all the rules or finally implement all the rules to, yeah, uh, right. to make ends meet. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but if you're, if you're like a med surge nurse, you'll probably get floated around to different units. Sure. Isn't that lonely? I feel like that would be a big con for me of like not having like a home where I know my people and you work on your team and people, because I mean, although, you know, my experience with floating has been awful. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's different styles of personalities. I mean, for me, like even my contingent job, I work as a system float. So I float to different hospitals within the system. So I have no home there at all. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are pros and cons to it. Like, exactly what you said. You don't have that family type environment. Like these, you don't know the ins and outs of the people that you work with and things like that. But the, the pro of that is you never get sucked into that drama. You don't have to, like when everybody's bitching and moaning about the staff meetings and like all the educational things and like, like, yeah, you don't, you're just there to like do a job and get out. You're not there to make, I mean, you might make friends. Like I'm friends with many of the people that I've where I've done agency work. And I mean, like, they're my Facebook friends and things like that, but I don't build that family with them, you know? So it it depends on your personality. If you're somebody who really needs a base and you really need a home, travel nursing may not be for you. I will say, however, that there are many people who, like, they get a friend and they do travel nursing together. And so they, like, book the assignments at the same places and then they share apartments. And that's a great idea. I know. Well, yeah, when you're young, there's people that, like, young couples, guys, well, doesn't have to be guys and girls, but, you know, young couples who are both nurses who do their assignments together, they get to, like, travel all over the country and explore the country together while they're making an income. Oh, my gosh. You know? write that book? We write that book. Should we call... What should we call our book that we're going to write about that story? That sounds so nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Forever young. <laughs> There's a lot of pros to it. And there are some cons to it. But if it's not your personality, then it's not for you. So it doesn't... 
you know, it's fine. My, my philosophy on life is when you have a definitive time period, you can do anything for a definitive time period. Oh, totally. Because it's always just a countdown or, you know, you always know where the light at the end of the tunnel is. So like when I'm working a crazy stretch of 31 days, you know, I'm just like, okay, one day down, 30 more to go, you know, and it's just, it's Ugh. just a countdown, you know? Yeah. Unless you're in like actual danger. That's exactly right. Like you can just, I mean, my mom has always said that to me. She's like, listen, there will be a time where you take a job and you quickly realize that it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. You can do anything for a year. Yeah. You just can. You can do anything for you a can. year and then get yourself out so you don't have a weird gap in your resume that looks real strange or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can make it work. Yep, absolutely. So, and travel nursing is the same way, only it's not a year. It's like eight to 13 weeks. Right. And believe me, it flies by. It really oh, does. Oh, I bet it does. I mean, but do you have to go to hospital orientation of every new facility you go to? No. Okay. I attended a hospital orientation once with travelers. It depends on the place. Like, the place... The place where you and I worked, they were really strict about it. Yeah. But I will say I've literally never gone to a hospital orientation. Because that's the worst <laughs> the worst part of starting a new job is doing yeah. all that stupid shit. Yeah. But you're also getting paid for it, and that's one of your weeks of your contract. Oh, well, that's true. All right. Good point. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, good point. You know, it's, it's all about how you look at it. All right. Well, next question. Okay. My next question is, because we've touched on this. Kind of when we talked about our floating episode and then a few other times too about when you have floaters, travelers, or like central staff from the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, the shitty assignments that people give out. Do you yeah. find that travelers often get just totally dumped on with their assignment? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. <sighs> Obviously, it would be dependent on the, the snarkiness of the individual charge nurse making that assignment, I guess. For but- sure. So interesting that you should say that because, and I'll, I'll talk more about it as a whole, but I ran into a guy I used to work with and we actually ran into each other at like a new job oh, and you know, nursing is like the smallest world ever, totally. right? Yeah. We all know each other. <laughs> I know. So we're chatting about, you know, old times and stuff like that. And he was telling me about how their facility, I wasn't there at the time, but their facility had a a pretty big strike. And so they brought in a bunch of travel nurses. And then when the strike was over, a lot of nurses had either quit or they didn't hold their jobs for them or things like that. So there were a ton of travelers that stayed on. And he came in as a charge nurse and he like they were so bitter about the travelers that came in during the strike that he was like okay you guys want to see how it really is around here you want to see why we went on strike okay and they would just load up the traveler zones oh my god and like their regular staff would have like no patience and they'd just all be sitting around watching the travelers get, get hammered i mean what bullshit movie do you think you're a star of come on dude like come on. that's it's just so shitty. Somebody had to take care of your patients while you were striking for what you need. And I get it. I get it. Yeah, that's but another somebody question we has... can follow up on in one second. But like... we, I mean, we've talked about that before, too. Like, somebody has to take care of those patients. Yeah. So, like, just because a traveler comes in... And it impacts the hospital financially hugely. Right. So, like, so it's you're still, still, like, getting him where it hurts. Yeah. You know? And because that's the only thing they care about in this, in the instance of a strike, almost always it's going to be about money. Money. Right. I don't understand what you expect to happen. 
there's going to be zero nurses on the floor and patients are just going to be sitting in their own shit quietly dying. Right. And there's going to be thousands of patients in the hospital with no nurses to take care of them. What is right. your expectation of what happens next? It's an emergency. And you still successfully created the emergency when you strike. And that's fine. That's what that's the point. You're trying to affect change. So, like, I don't really understand the animosity about that. I think that's just I don't know. The thing is, as he was talking, I was like, I remember how much I thought you were a dick when I worked with you. Yeah. <laughs> and you've just oh, reaffirmed my feelings for you. I'm remembering it now. Yeah. yeah. I'm remembering why I didn't miss you one single bit. Because oh you're God. a fucking ass. <laughs> I just can't. That's a gr- do you ever, like, do you feel like people work the same kind of, like, travel circuit and you kind of see the same people? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, ugh, blah, blah, blah. sometimes, like, for me, so because of my kids, I won't take a long distance travel assignment where I can't come home. Yeah, sure. I'll make a commute or I'll go somewhere where I can be there for like two or three days and then come home. I won't go like 12 states away. Right. There are tons of travelers who literally just go all over the country. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what most travel nurses do. But when I do traveling that I do... I do run into some travelers who also do the same thing that I do. So we kind of overlap contracts a little bit at different places because, sure. you know, they're they're looking to go the same places I'm going to because they also don't want to go 12 states away. So my dream is to take a contract in, like, Alaska for the summer and take my family up there. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was going to ask, too, and, like, maybe be due to, like, sort of the nature of what you do, um, this is more a question for the class. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested in talking to somebody who has traveled in, like, a ton of different states. Yeah. Because I want to know what the hospitals are like in different places. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds simplistic. No. But I'm kind of like, does everyone genuinely have the same problems everywhere? Because it feels like that. Or are there some that are just, like, really dangerous and shitty and some that are incredible? Like, what, I mean, what are the, and I, maybe it has to do with, do places that need travel nurses, is that a specific demographic of place or is there that not like that? Well, first and foremost, yeah, I totally know what you mean. I think it's evidenced by the questions that our um, listeners send us that a lot of places have the same problems. Yeah, that's true. But part of that is you have an awful lot of hospital systems throughout the country that are part of big dollar companies or big name hospital systems that they're really just all about the bottom line is the bottom line, right? Right. So I think when you're talking about systems like that, we tend to all run into the same problems. When I was working on my master's, I know we read about a lot of facilities that were like really doing it right and what are we doing so well and their models for the hospital system and stuff like that. And just the cultures are totally different Mm -hmm. than what your standard like system-wide national hospital system would be, you know? I do know. My guess would be that those hospitals that are quote-unquote doing it right, I'm guessing they don't have a huge need for travel nurses because they probably have staff they probably like, lined staff. up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of exactly the answer to my question. If you take care of your employees, you're not turning people over. and You don't right. need extra staff. I don't know if I... I think I've talked about this on here, but it was a long time ago. We got an email one time at my current place that was basically like, we're starting a committee in the hospital to improve the culture of the hospital. 
I remember you telling me about that. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like smile at each other in the hallway, mm-hmm. greet each other by name, all these different kind of basic how to be nice to each other for kindergartners <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. And let me tell you, I have never again heard, seen anything about that committee, whatever it was called, the Committee for Cultural Improvement or whatever. <laughs> like, it never came up again. It was like, did they send the email and they were like, nah, nah, it, there, it wasn't received well, guys. It wasn't received well. Forget about it. <laughs> or are they working silently in the background to fix our culture and we just don't even know it. I think the bottom line is, no, we have bigger priorities than this. And that yes. meeting, pe- people are like, oh, I've got this other meeting I have to go to, so I can't go to the culture meeting. And yeah. then it just falls by the and wayside because people don't put point. importance on it. Nope. It's not important what our the culture stupid shit is. committee couldn't even care about it. The stupid shit committee. The stupid shit committee would have called them in to say, we're disbanding this. This is stupid. Oh, my God. So I haven't even told you. So, you know, I was on vacation last week, as it so happens. Mm -hmm. But my vacation was started early and lasted longer than anticipated because I, I had a coronavirus scare. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So I was having, like... I'd had a sore th- This is not travel related. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't even tell this right now. Should I tell this or just Yeah, tell it. it. I want to hear it. Okay. So I was having like a sore throat for like two or three days. And then for like two days, I was just feeling like really winded when I would walk upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I had been like feeling just tired and run down. I think I told you about that. Like I was just feeling really tired. And I wasn't really thinking, like, too much about it. Well, then, my last day of work before vacation, I was at work at, like, 10 o'clock at night. I get a notification from my babysitter that she's COVID positive. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she had tested positive, like, a week prior. And she had been with my kids two days before she tested positive. So I'm like, oh, crap. So, like, now I have sore throat, shortness of breath, with exertion only, and fatigue, and I have a known exposure to coronavirus. So I'm like, holy crap. So all my tests came back negative. I did not have coronavirus. And my symptoms resolved, but nobody would let me come back to work. Yeah, I bet they wouldn't. So tonight's my first night back to work, and I... I got a COVID vacation without having COVID. Oh, delightful. That was delightful. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah. I've heard there's a lot of false negatives. Well, I've heard that too, but I had to get tested by two facilities and they both came back negative. So that was reassuring to me. And then my parents got tested too and they were both negative as well. Oh, good. My friend who works on her hospital's COVID unit, she lost her sense of taste. That's been like the biggest... Thing. biggest thing and then uh-huh. something about her toes were red or something mm. um and so the doctor was like yeah you probably have it and then it t- then she tested negative mm-hmm. but then they were like well it could be a false negative but like technically since it was negative you can come back to work so whatever mm. but she was yeah. still technically having a symptom yeah my work was like no you had symptoms and even if your test comes back negative um, you can't come back for 10 days after your sim- after the onset of symptoms. And my other place was like, if you come back negative, you can come back three days after the resolution of symptoms. Mm. So, Oh, I have another question about travel nursing. Yeah. Is there PTO worked into the contracts? Again, depends on your facility, or not your facility, depends on your company. 
that you go with. Some of them do. Most of them do not give you PTO on your first contract, but you'll earn X amount like you'll accrue PTO during your first contract, but it's only honestly, like, I think I got, well, it was such crap. This was the company that I fired. (laughs) So the way that they did it was they did, you would accrue like 12 hours during your 13 week contract. So you would get like one PTO day, but the PTO day is only paid at your hourly base rate, not your whole per diem rate. So you're only getting like $20 an hour. That's not fair. You still need to live. To take PTO. And I think there was like one week where I could only work two days and like they knew about it in advance. So I only accrued like 11.75 or something like that. And I was like, well, I'll just take a check. You can just pay me out the pay of it. And they're like, no, we can only take it in 12 hour increments. And I'm like, didn't pay you. So they just didn't pay me. Yeah. For God's sake. I know. So you be very careful, everybody. Again, contract, contract, contract. There is a Facebook group and I am so sorry that I don't, I can't for the life of me remember the name of it. There's a really good one for travel nurses where they talk about all these issues and like who the best companies are, who's mm, screwing like people over. Community. Yeah, it's a big Facebook community of travel nurses, tra- nurses, <laughs> of travel nurses. So if you guys are interested in traveling, do a little research online and see what the name of the com- or what the Facebook group is. There, it's a big one. There, there's a lot of people in it. So if it's like only a thousand members, that's not the right one. I cannot for life me remember what it's called. Maybe it's Nomad. Can you look like it up? Like the, the Nomad group? Yeah, but whenever you move your phone, you can't talk because... Tra- oh, there's one travel nursing newbies. 31,000 members. There's one with travel nurses. The $1,800 plus gross per week. 49,000 members. Um, so there's a there's a bunch of sites on here. Oh, oh that's the Ram- Ramsey Baby Steps community. You can go there too, but they won't help you with travel nursing. <laughs> I would do a search on Facebook and look. There's one for nomadic nursing. That one only has 9.8 thousand members. But yeah, just do, a, just do a search on Facebook. They've got tons of groups on there and you'll get a lot of information. These are people that are traveling regularly. Um, that that one, the travel nursing newbies, that looks interesting. So, so my, my basic understanding is that like you really are entirely working for the company, not the hospital, obviously they control a lot, like everything with that. And what about making your schedule? Does that happen within the unit itself where you can like request certain things or is it like, how, how does that work for a traveler? Great question. So this is very facility dependent. So one of my stipulations has always been that I need the flexibility to make my own schedule. And so the places that I've worked, A, have been in such shortage, and B, they had so many contracts open and they needed so many people that literally I just gave them my schedule. I was like, this is what I want to work. And they were like, okay. Okay. But there are definitely places. There was one place that I interviewed and I did not take the job there for many reasons. But I interviewed with them and she wanted me to be flexible. Apparently, they give their schedule out the week before. I hate places doing that. So stupid. On a weekly basis, you'd get it the week before. And she wanted you to be able to flex between night and day shift. 
Oh, and I was okay. like, I was like, absolutely not. That's not happening. That was absolutely ridiculous. And my understanding is that person is no longer there. But you know, that's not an uncommon thing that I've heard. Is and I've heard it across a few different mm-hmm. careers, not just nursing. Yeah. But the week to week schedule thing. How can you plan a single goddamn life. thing? You can't. This you isn't can't. Chuck E. Cheese. Like, right. let me, come on. The nursing thing, I think the whole principle of it is I need to put my agency nurses where I have holes. The hospital I work at right now, we we live on a pattern. So you would know if there's somebody that, like a hole, I'm sorry, like an open employment spot, then those holes are what's available. Right. And you know that for like the next six years, you know, that's what I like about the pattern. Like I know what I'm doing in December of 2027. For me, I'm very structured. Like I want to go someplace where I can make my own schedule. Well, you also work a lot of jobs. So like you, well, I do. So I have to be right. Well, and part of the problem is my part-time job where that's where I'm committed. Obviously, I get my insurance benefits and stuff. That's my job job. So that one, we're on a pattern, which is easy to schedule around. I only work two days a week there. That means I have five other days a week that I can work, Mm -hmm. but I work every third weekend. So Mm -hmm. it presents a challenge with travel nursing because most travel places want you on every other weekend because that's where, that's how they staff their unit. And so when I go in and I say, I I can work weekends for you, but I can't work every other weekend. Mm -hmm. Most places have, I've really had, most places are pretty flexible. They're like, okay. I'm like, look, I'll work two weekends in a row for you. And then I need the third weekend off, you know, because I have to come work that weekend here, but I can't do every other. And most places have been super flexible with me about it. So I think you just really have to like say your needs up front and be honest with your recruiter. You know, don't tell your recruiter that you can do something that you can't do. Yeah. Yeah, don't try and get the job by being like, look how flexible I am. And then the rubber right. meets the road. And you're like, well, actually, I need every Thursday right. off through the whole contract. Right. Correct. So that's stuff that you have to be able to say up front. Like, I can't work Thursdays or I can't do every other weekend. I can do weekends, but I can't do every other. Or I'm strictly days or I'm strictly nights, you know, because I've had places like that have hired me in. And I thought I was doing seven to seven. And they're like, no, we actually had you 11A to 11P. And I was like, that's not going to work. I can't yeah. do that. Like, no. <laughs> no. No so, way. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask questions. Your recruiter will get you set up for an interview. And the interview with the, your interview will be with the manager of the facility where you're going to work. And that's the time where you need to ask questions about scheduling and things like that. If you need any time off during the contract, you need to let your recruiter know up front, like, look, I'm not, I'll do this contract, but I'm out of town this week. I can't work. Almost everybody works around that. It's really not a big deal. So just be Mm -hmm. upfront with them. And yeah, just make sure you're asking a lot of questions, get everything in writing. So if they tell you something, it better be written in your contract. Don't sign that contract to you have it exactly how you want it because that is what you will go back and forth. You will get to a facility and they will say, oh, well, we have you going here and you'll pull up your contract on your phone and be like, nope, that's not my contract. Okay, great. You live and die by that contract. How is easy is it to leave an agency that you didn't like for whatever reason? So I assume you probably have to like finish your contract for the duration, but then yeah. after it's like you just don't renew anything with them. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, you're an independent person. You can just walk away if you want to, but you risk being blackballed. Like, if you don't care about your your agency, that's one thing. 
But if you're walking away from a contract, that's a big deal. And like, you have to be very well aware of like, are they a part of a bigger institution? Mm -hmm. Because if you get blackballed by an institution, you can't go work anywhere in the country for them. Okay. So if it's like a small local hospital and you're like, this is bullshit, I hate this, I'm out, and you just walk away and never come back, I mean, you have the right to do that. You're a person, right? You can <laughs> you, you can break your contract, but you definitely would get blackballed from there. Well, a good lesson anyway, of like regardless of the situation, again, barring physical danger, right? you and, and about nursing professionalism, like you're in a contract, you got to stick it out mm-hmm. and you don't want to burn a bridge because it's not worth it. You don't know what, like how high up these things go. Yeah. And there's just no need for it. Are you the one that told me your friend did a contract for like a strike and it was like so dangerous he walked away no but that sounds terrible oh god somebody somebody told me about they had a friend who was doing a strike contract somewhere and while they were there riots broke out and he was literally like this is so dangerous like i'm not risking my life and he la- he called his recruiter and he was like i'm out i'm coming home oh, and he he came home because he did not feel safe i wish i would have known who talking about anyway anyway well that um is kind of wrapping it up for today cuz i got to get ready to go to work so okay. if you guys have questions about travel nursing you know let us know i'll see what i can do to find more answers for you um look up those places or those groups on Facebook because there's a lot of really worthwhile information. I think the biggest thing is just be educated. And the other thing I wanted to say was make sure you are working with multiple different agencies um, because you can pit them against each other as well. Oh, okay. So like even like you mean while you're looking for your for your first assignment? Yeah, you can you can be like, well, this company is offering me this and some companies will be like, we'll get it in writing and then we'll match it or whatever. So yeah, so you can pit them against each other, but work with multiple agencies because different. you're going to find what you like and what you don't like, and there's just so many agencies out there. They're not all great. I promise you, they're not all great. <laughs> Do different... Can I ask another question real quick? Yeah. Do different recruiters slash companies have different relationships with hospitals so like if i use recruiter a they don't have a relationship with hospital one but they do have a relationship with hospital two like or is it just anywhere that there's a gap yes yes and no and yes (laughs) so there are travel companies that have what they call like preferred status with hospitals so like the hospital where i work part-time we only use one company okay because in theory if you want to work in or around a specific place like say you know there are some places where like one hospital system kind of just owns the city and like that's just kind of what it is yeah yeah but if they only have certain preferred ones it's like you'd want to kind of be targeting those yeah but that's why you work with multiple people or multiple companies you can get like for example when i was looking for my first contract i got i got offers multiple different offers from multiple different places at the same hospital. And that hospital has a preferred company that they work with. So if I submit through the preferred company, I would get first dibs based on being the fact that I was submitted through the preferred company. But if I submit 
That makes sense. From a different company, and the preferred provider isn't submitting anybody, I can still get that job. Okay, sure. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they they do have preferred providers. So And and there are places that do have exclusive contracts. Like I said, the place I work, we have an exclusive contract with a company. So we only use that company. Yeah, sure. Okay, interesting. So write us in your questions if you have any more. And then also don't forget, send us in your favorite nursing story for our one-year anniversary episode and also send us in the reason you got into nursing yeah okay you guys have a wonderful week not sure where you live but if it's hot stay cool if it's cool stay warm and we'll chat with you all next week bye everyone bye